Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. I'm delighted to have with me today my special guest, Adriana Brill. Adriana is a happy mama to three children. She has a master's degree in psychology, and she's a certified positive discipline parenting educator. She specializes in helping families bring more cooperation and calm to their home. Adriana, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, today we're going to talk with Adriana about mother-led weaning. And I want everybody to be very clear about the idea of mother-led weaning. That means that the mother takes the lead in the weaning process. But this is not, repeat, it is not going cold turkey. So can you talk to us a little bit about uh, why people might, well, some people think anyway that mother-led weaning is harmful. Is that a myth or a fact? It's definitely a myth. Um, When a mother feels ready to wean, she's probably also getting some signals from her child. And Mm -hmm. even if she's not, um, it's all right for the mother to make that decision if she feels like it's in the best interest for her and for her family. So it's definitely a myth that it's harmful. Okay. Because I think that some people uh, think that we've... We've spent so much time, honestly, even on this show, we've talked so much about child-led weaning, but I feel like in fairness, there are some women who have said to me over the years, no, Marie, you don't get it. I'm not reconsidering this. This is what I want to do. And they are very clear. They've weighed their risks. They've weighed their benefits. They've got their mind made up and they want to take the lead in a sort of, I guess I would call it intentional way. So some uh, people will think that babies or toddlers will resent their mother for weaning. Now, in one of the later segments, we'll talk about some how-to with that. But in the meanwhile, what say you? Is that a myth or a fact? It's definitely a myth. Um, Babies or toddlers, they're not going to resent the weaning process if the mom is taking a very intentional approach, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and paying attention to both her needs and the needs of the child. Because the weaning is a process, and like you said, it's not cold turkey, so things are not going to change in such a fast way. And the baby is not really focusing on the mother just for breastfeeding needs. I mean, a baby and a mother interaction is so much deeper and richer than just that one component, which in and of itself can be very special and rich, but it's more than that. We know that there's a lot that goes on into caring for young children in those early years. So the resentment piece is definitely a myth. Okay. Here's another one. I get this one probably the most frequently. 
Mothers will say that they want to wean the baby because they're tired of these getting up in the middle of the night events. They want the baby to sleep all night. They've got some sleeping or feeding troubles or both. And they say, forget it. You know, I just want to wean this baby and be done here. Uh, So they think that weaning will solve all of the sleep and feeding troubles. Myth or fact? Definitely a myth. Um, Oh, talk to us. If things could be solved by changing just one thing in a baby mother or parent to child routine, then I think we wouldn't need to have so much support and and wonderful podcasts and books because it's just more complex than that. Um, You can't solve a sleep problem just by taking breastfeeding away. And actually, breastfeeding often gets a bad reputation for that. Oh, if only I wouldn't breastfeed, then the baby wouldn't wake up. Or if only I didn't breastfeed the, you know, this. But there's so much going on in that in that first year or maybe even in the second year of the baby's life that breastfeeding is a component, but learning to sleep is a developmental milestone. Learning to eat well is a developmental milestone. And so while it's easy to think if I stop breastfeeding, all my sleep and wake problems will be resolved, it's really important, I think, to keep in mind that it's a more intricate process and there are various components to this. And if you feel like this is going to solve your problems, by all means, you can try, but it is less likely to be the golden key to solving all the problems at once. Adriana, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone explain it as a developmental milestone. And so as I hear you talking, I'm thinking, this is like getting teeth. Yes. (laughs) Some things you just can't really rush. Yeah. um, Another good example that some people can relate to is older children when they walk up and down stairs mm. they put two feet down at a time and eventually they learn to alternate but we don't stand behind a three-year-old and push them and say alternate those feet it's right. just something that happens and all of a sudden the child learns and the brain goes ding 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 time to alternate my feet and then they <laughs> even might alternate sometimes but do two feet another time and sleeping is a bit like this too Walking is definitely like this. Our babies crawl and move their legs and get on their bellies. And the whole time they're strengthening their legs and their muscles. And then around 11, 12, 13, 14 months, they're like, oh, look at me. I can walk. But it didn't happen overnight that they learned to walk. This was like a developmental process. And the weaning can be the same way. And the learning to sleep well is a bit the same way. It takes a lot of practice and trial and discovery and figuring out, you know, each baby finds their way and each mom can find their way as well. Well, I'm chuckling a little bit because I'm thinking no one would say, oh, let me wean my baby and then he'll be able to alternate feet on the steps. Yeah. (laughs) You know, those two things just don't necessarily go together. And that's what you're telling us about the sleep issues. We've had several programs that have uh, where we've talked about sleep issues, but no one has presented it quite in this way. And yet I think that very often that's what I hear is I want to wean my baby so that he'll sleep through the night so that I will sleep through the night, et cetera, et cetera. And another thing that I would say is, is it possible that those feeding or sleeping problems would not only persist, is it possible that they could become worse? Well, it's very possible that if a baby is used to 
having mom and having the breast as a sleep cue and getting that comfort. And then this is taken away or maybe substituted for something else. It doesn't necessarily mean that the baby magically learns to soothe themselves Mm. to sleep or to not look for those cues because as we were talking before, the sleep is a process and and it's going to take time for the baby to learn this new way of falling asleep, right? So if the baby always falls asleep after breastfeeding and it, you know, it feels nice and it's full and it has a warm tummy and it was just nuzzled up to mom and it had all that warmth, what, what is going to happen, right? And we can trust our babies to learn to sleep next to us or in their crib or whatever way the family feels is safest for them. But there is still that learning process. So weaning doesn't necessarily flip a switch into the baby's head that says, I will now sleep nine hours straight. Some babies do, <laughs> some babies some don't. Time. But if you're counting on it as your golden ticket for better sleep, you may be disappointed when it doesn't work because the baby may you know, resist or, or wonder, where is mom? Where's that nice milk? Why isn't somebody here comforting me? So... And I'm it's thinking, not a, well, there are very few things that we have that, as you say, flip a switch. I liked that. I was thinking, no, yeah. it just in human nature, there are very few things that just flip the switch. Yeah. Uh, some people think that there's one way and one way only to do mother-led weaning. Myth or fact? Definitely a myth. Um, we're all very different. Uh, we have our babies and do things different ways and children have different needs. You know, there's temperament involved. Some babies are very easygoing and they're happy to follow mom's lead. Other babies maybe have, a you know, higher needs or fuss a bit more and they're all wonderful and they all sort of have their rhythm. And when we find that rhythm and we mm. listen to, you know, what the baby needs and what's working for the mom, what works for one mom isn't necessarily going to be for another. What works for one baby, many moms even tell me the way they weaned their first child yes. is completely different than the way they yes. weaned their third. So Absolutely. it's definitely a myth that there's no way. I would agree. Sometimes mothers expect, not expect in a bad way, but just from their past experience, just assume that it's going to be the, uh, the same way with the next baby. And very often it just doesn't turn out that way. All right, so how about this one? Some people think that you must do mother-led weaning because other baby, otherwise the baby will never self-wean. Myth or fact? Um, I'm going to say it's a myth. Um, children that are given a chance to self-wean usually will sometime around the first birthday all the way to the sixth birthday. Um, mm-hmm. In our modern society it's very rare that babies will be breastfed beyond three to four years even that you don't see the very common time to wean to self-wean nowadays is around age one and a half to two just because there's so much available to do so many interesting foods to try children tend to be around other groups of children that are eating Mm. snacks and so Mm. babies can self-wean it's usually longer than the moms expect um, and it's really hard to compare what is evolutionarily expected and what is modern society social. expected. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. the social expectation. It also depends culture to culture as, as well. You know, what you might see in one country might not happen in another. So, 
Totally agree. All very good insights. Hey, everybody, do not go away. Uh, I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with psychologist Adriana Brill. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed, where we're talking today with psychologist Ariadne Brill, and she is talking with us about mother-led weaning. So in the first segment, 
we looked a little bit at the myths and the facts, trying to help people to get their heads together with whether or not they really want to do this. But I want to move now on the idea that the mother already has her mind made up. She's going to do this. So you mentioned that there are different ways to carry out mother-led weaning. Could you give us some ideas of what those that might be? Some options? Sure. So mother-led weaning is a bit different than the baby led weaning in that it's the mother who's deciding and seeing that it's time. And like you said, she's made up her mind and it's time to start weaning. Well, the good news is that the minute that a mom has introduced any kind of nutrition besides the breast milk, the weaning process is already started. So if a mother is feeling hesitant or thinking is, you know, did did I make a mistake in thinking that it's time to wean? Well, weaning isn't the same thing as stopping and saying, I'm not giving breast ever again. That would be a cold turkey approach. Whereas the weaning means you're going to be slowly introducing supplements to the nutrition from the breast feeding and offering other nutritious opportunities like yummy snacks, nice meals. Um, It can be cubed foods, uh, different drinks. And so the mother can decide if she's going to be substituting one meal every day or if she's going to do two meals or the daytime meals versus nighttime meals. Many moms prefer to start the weaning process in the daytime when they're not too tired Mm -hmm. and they can, you know, pay full attention Mm -hmm. to their baby. Um, other moms decide that they want to stop the nighttime feeding and they're going to be substituting that with something else. And so they're going to focus on breastfeeding in the day and bonding with their baby in the day. And they're going to have a different solution for the night. Um, some people do a mix. Some moms just feel like I'm going to breastfeed the times when I feel ready. So it's really, as you can see, it can be tailor-made to what the mom is needing. Personally, I like to recommend the daytime substitute a few of the regular breastfeeding times with something else that's special so that you have your morning and evening and you figure out what your baby needs to get over those meal times and that can then be used again when it's time to take out the very last feeds. Now that's interesting because I know of so many people who say well, start with the one that you don't like doing. And for most mothers, that's a nighttime feeding. They're like, good, I can get rid of that nighttime feeding. But I like your take on this because you're saying, look at the time when the baby is most likely to be most cooperative. Yes. I preached for years that if, oh, never mind a baby, for any of us, if we are tired, if we are grouchy, if we are hungry, if we are overworked, that is not the time to start asking us to to do something that we don't necessarily want to do. And so your your feeling is that you have a bigger window of possibility for cooperation when the baby is during the day, maybe not so tired, right? Right. I There's something that I really believe in with weaning or with, with positive discipline, whatever challenge that a parent is facing with their child, setting up the scene for success mm. is going to make a big difference. Yeah. And so yeah. if nighttime feedings are difficult because you're tired, the last thing you want to do is add an obstacle to refusing to give the breast and then the baby cries and, you know, yeah. then you need to figure out what am I doing wrong? And I'd say if you're both bright eyed and, and ready to go in the daytime and looking to substitute that 
feeding time with a delicious snack and a fun story and a cute song, and this becomes a new routine that the baby Uh, looks forward mm -hmm. to, that mom looks forward to, then you're looking at a potential success because both are ready to work together. Oh, I totally love that idea. I'm thinking that even as an adult, I tell people if you're trying to get rid of a bad habit, I'm not saying that breastfeeding is a bad habit, but replace it with a different habit. And essentially, that's what you're saying is you're replacing it with a different routine. I like that. Yeah. To, to play in what you said, there's a science of habit stacking. Mm. And so if you stack on a good habit that you're willing to incorporate, it sometimes is easier to then shuffle out the old habit out. So you could start with breastfeeding, then a healthy snack and a story. And then eventually you just have to take out the breastfeeding because the rest has already been established. That's news to me. You're saying habit stacking, S-T, stacking? Yes, as in you stack one habit on top of the other. On top of the other? Very cool. Very cool. Ariadne, another question, which is I think you would be the first one to say that it's not just nutrition, that babies come to the breast for reasons other than hunger. And I would caution listeners to remember that sometimes – Uh, The baby isn't necessarily asking to breastfeed because he's hungry, although he might be, but there might be other reasons as well. So what kinds of things work when the baby, uh, well, here's one that I, I would say is a common one. Baby falls down, bumps his noggin, wants to nurse for comfort. Mother doesn't really want to nurse right now. So what kinds of things would you suggest there? Well, in the case that you described, the baby is looking for comfort and also feeling discomfort. And yes. one thing that I would recommend is for the parent to get comfortable with the baby's discomfort and oh, become an empathetic okay. presence mm. and letting the child know that, yes, it's uncomfortable that you bumped your noggin. I'm here and I'm close to you and I love you and I will listen to your upset, but I'm not going to distract it away with breastfeeding you or shoving a grape in your mouth, I will actually let you feel your discomfort in my presence so that you can learn to overcome this. Now, I'm not saying a desperate cry, and if the baby's sure. hurt, by all means, you have to take sure. care of it. Sure. But I, you know, there's a big difference between plugging the baby onto the breast to stop them from crying and offering the breast because the baby's hungry and needs to feed. So I think it's important to make to learn to make a distinction here and allow children to have their true feelings. So if a baby bumps their noggin, they really do need to sort of tell you with their tears. I bumped my head and it hurts and I was startled. And you can even sports cast that back to them. Oh, honey, you bumped your noggin. Mommy's here. That must have startled you. Uh, I'm here. I'm sorry it happened. Baby cries. Bump is I, over. I, I just got to tell you, uh, and of course, Those listeners, you know, we don't rehearse these ahead of time, but uh, Dr. Aletha Solter, who is a psychologist here in the United States, is the author uh, of several books. And when she was on the show, she said pretty much the same thing, which is you need to be present for your child's crying. The idea is not to let the baby just cry by himself, but rather to be present. And I think that you're saying the same thing with slightly different words. Okay, so the age-old recommendation then is uh, to give something else. uh, And very often the something else comes in a bottle or with nipples. A lot of parents really have trouble offering, sometimes it's even mother's milk. 
uh, in the bottle with the nipple. And they say, oh, she just won't take it. She won't have anything to do with it. She throws the bottle down. Uh, What can you suggest for that? I would suggest with that a lot of patience and also a lot of trust in Mm. the baby's needs and not giving up per se. If the mom feels like this is necessary, for example, many moms feel like they need to switch from breast to bottle because they're going to be working full-time, yes, part-time. Yeah. That's the and big so one. there needs to be a, a nutritional substitute, right, to the breast. Yes. And I think it's important to evaluate carefully what who's going to be feeding the baby mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. that time comes but not to rush the change from the breast to the bottle just because the change is going to come. I hope that makes sense. Well, yeah, it does. I've seen people that want to give their baby a bottle on Sunday night in anticipation of their going back to work on Monday morning, and I don't think that's realistic. Right. Uh, So babies are very intelligent. They, They are vulnerable, but they are very capable. And so if they know mom is going to be at work, they understand the difference because the sounds are different, the smells are different, the environment is different. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, somebody who's a caregiver can be very attentive and have the baby in arms and be giving a bottle. It's not the same as experience as mother's breast with the breast milk smell and the comfort of the mom's heart. And so the baby can recognize the two things. So it's very likely that, especially a young baby, you know, three, four months old, it's very likely for them to resist taking a bottle from mom if they know that the breast is right there. So I would recommend in this scenario that mom focus on breastfeeding and a secondary caregiver focuses on teaching the baby to take a bottle. Me too. too. Uh, For all of the reasons and many more, uh, what you've just said, I totally agree that the mother giving the bottle usually well, usually just doesn't work because the baby is so smart. Okay, so how about this one? Um, mothers uh, sometimes want to do mother-led weaning, but they're hesitant because of the bond that it creates. So how can they maintain the bond during the weaning process and beyond that into after the weaning process? Suggestions? Uh, uh, yes, I think this is a great thing to think about because the breastfeeding time really is, like you said, a big bonding time in those yeah. early years. And moms that take the time to breastfeed and make eye contact and often the baby as they grow start to play with the hair or with a necklace, oh, yeah. you know, tap on mommy's tummy, all this is relationship building and connection building. And so you can substitute just because there isn't a feeding going on from the breast doesn't mean that that moment of focused attention can't exist. So I like to remind moms to whatever substitute there is from the breastfeeding, continue to make eye contact, continue to make it a very special time, continue to see it not as just a chore, must feed baby, but let's enjoy a snack together. Um, You can add a book into the mix. So you're telling the story to a baby because this naturally becomes interactive, or you can substitute a feeding with a baby massage or with a Mm, warm bath. Um, You can substitute it with creating a song together that you only sing when you would have otherwise breastfed. Or like we talked about with the habit stacking, you sing it while you breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the end of the feed, you can sing that song. And so now you're only singing that song. Uh, You can have a stuffed animal 
that visits with the baby, toddlers especially in the weaning process like this, a stuffed animal that arrives at the end of the feed and then plays something very special with mom, baby, and teddy bear. And so this teddy bear can be the bringer of laughter and fun. So these (laughs) these are ways that you can continue to create that special bond with your child without giving up the close that comes with breastfeeding. Excellent. Hey, everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with my special guest, Ariadne Brill, 
and she's talking with us about mother-led weaning. Ariadne, we talked a little bit about when babies resist uh, the idea of weaning. Maybe mother wants to do this, has her mind made up, it's going to work. Baby is not all that keen on the idea. And we talked about uh, the baby who, who, for instance, cries or cries in the night or uh, cries because he's just fallen down and he doesn't have the breast for comfort. Are there other behaviors that the parent should be alert to that sort of signal that he's not real keen on this? He's sort of resisting the weaning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oftentimes, especially if you're talking about a slightly older infant or to- young toddler, there can be resistance of, around the regular meals. So if a few small meals have already been introduced and the mom is trying to take a few breastfeeds away, the baby might start throwing food on the floor or refusing to eat what's served and wait out. Some babies are very good about waiting and waiting oh, until yeah. the breast comes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Or a baby may see the bottle from a caregiver coming and literally refuse the entire day to drink that bottle until mom comes home and then fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up. When something like that is happening, I always recommend that the parent talk to somebody face-to-face, like a lactation consultant or a nurse or a doctor or a parent coach, somebody that has good experience in this area to make a real tailored plan to take into account the needs of both the baby and the mom. Uh Because uh if the mom is weaning for a medical reason or for a work reason or something that absolutely cannot be changed and the baby is completely resisting, it's really important to find a positive way to help that baby know that food is important. Uh It's very Uh unlikely that a baby would resist so long that they get malnourished. But I do recommend, if possible, some places have nursing offices or um, the the pediatric office will let you come and weigh the baby and things like that, that you keep a good eye on the weight and make sure that whatever little nutrition seems to be getting in is doing what it needs to be doing. And then I always recommend aiming for very high-calorie, high-fat, healthy foods for the process, right? So like salmon and avocado, if the baby's old enough to be eating those foods, so that the little bit of meals that do get in are doing a good job at keeping the baby nice and, you know, fed. Um, But as on a behavioral level, if there's a lot of resistance going on, like arching it back or, you know, throwing the bottle down, trying to grab at the breast, it's really important for the mom to kind of stay calm Yep. Try to talk baby through it and understand that it's a transition. And just like we might not like, you know, when things suddenly change for us, the baby's not liking it either. So maybe take a step back if at all possible and try to go a bit slower. And if going slower is absolutely not a choice, definitely reach out for somebody that can help them through the process so that they're not going at it completely alone because support exists and it's there to help. Ariadne, I hear you talking and I'm thinking that my word for this is flexibility. Uh, Sometimes you've got your mind made up that you want to do something, whether it's mother-led weaning or going back to college or, uh, I, I don't know, making a new recipe. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't turn out exactly the way you'd planned. You have to take a step back. You have to back off a little bit, learn a little bit, try a little bit later Is that kind of the idea that you're trying to convey here? 
this is definitely the idea and my experience both working with parents but as a parent myself our children are phenomenal teachers of flexibility <laughs> yeah they will they will change our plans faster than we can make them yeah. so it's really not a sign of defeat or a right. bad parenting right. to realize that your choice isn't working. It's quite the opposite. If we realize that our choice isn't working, that the child is miserable or that we're miserable, it's really okay to be aware of that. And with that awareness, say, this is time to be flexible and make a change. Yeah, one of the things, um, I have a favorite phrase, which is revisit to revisit that decision. It doesn't mean that it was a bad decision, a wrong decision, a premature decision. It doesn't necessarily mean any of those things. But sometimes you just have to revisit the decision that you make and, uh, you know, realize that you got to cut yourself a little bit of slack. Uh, One of the things you did not mention so far is you didn't talk about what I would call bargaining. I like to remind parents that sometimes with, for instance, a toddler, you might be able to bargain or negotiate with, no, not right now. Uh, What's your take on this? Um, Well, I think, you know, bargaining or making agreements, as I like to think about them, or even the flexibility that we were talking about, working with our children is usually going to develop into working with them for the long term. So even if you're talking about weaning a baby or weaning a toddler, this process in the relationship where you learn to work together and to bargain, you know, I'm ready to give up six feeds a day, baby's really only ready to give up two of the feeds. This puts you on a very positive path for working with your child down the line. (laughs) <laughs> because as yes. the baby turns into a toddler and a toddler realizes, ooh, I'm my own person. I am not my mommy. I am me and I get to say no. If you've already sort of worked on that bargaining and that flexibility, you're going to be one step ahead and being able to realize we have a solid foundation here of working together that can bring us through the next several years. You've mentioned this developmental thing a couple of times now. So how about this? If a parent is getting resistance from a baby, should they maybe just reflect a little bit on, is that a phase of development? As I heard you talking just now, the thing I was hearing was babies do start to realize that they're their own little person. Can you address that? Yeah. um, So... Because the focus here would be on mother-led weaning, the implication is that the mother has made the decision, right? And right. even if the baby had been giving signals and the mother's thinking, okay, she's nursing less or he's, he's you know, asking for the breast less, children obviously have, as they grow, many ups and downs. Development, the human development, isn't a straight line. It's more like uh-huh. a staircase in a spiral yes. meshed yes. together, right? Mm. So babies often have these giant leaps in their development and they learn many things. Um, some, some developmental psychologists or if you look at development of children will say, 
when they're getting close to hitting physical milestones, they may ask to feed more. Or when there's, you know, there's the language explosion that people like to talk about, maybe they'll ask to feed more. And so certainly the mother can evaluate if it's the right time to wean or not by noticing, you know, am I going to be weaning right through one of these big developmental leaps? It might not make much of a difference just because if the mother's really decided, it's really okay to move forward. It's just a matter of being respectful to both mom and baby. In any event, the mother should not necessarily interpret this as, I'm a bad mother, he hates me, he resents me, he resents that I've taken the breast away. Maybe it's just a reflection of the baby's developmental phase. Am I hearing that right? Yes, absolutely. As we mentioned in the very beginning of the show, some moms are very worried that the baby might resist them or resent them for taking the breast away. And as long as there's attention to what we were talking earlier about the bonding and making it a special time and making weaning a process, then it's very unlikely that the baby is going to be holding any kind of resentment. Babies don't really do that. Babies really need their needs to be met in that moment. And that wires them to trust that mom or dad is going to be there for them when they need them. And back to the flexibility part, I just want to say, because I don't think either one of us mentioned this before, uh, and it goes along with your idea of the staircase and the spiral. Sometimes a baby will be having mother-led weaning. He's doing pretty well. Mother is doing pretty well. The whole thing is going not too bad. But all of a sudden, baby comes down with uh, an ear infection. And that can cut both ways. Sometimes they want to nurse more. Sometimes they want to nurse less. Uh, There are things that happen in the baby's life, just like for the rest of us. Sometimes, you know, we just want to take a step back. And so not only is the, I view this anyway, is not only just a day-to-day thing, but kind of a, uh, across a, a bigger time span, that sometimes it just doesn't go exactly as planned, and and that's okay. That is absolutely okay. Um, let's see. There was something else I was going to uh, suggest here that I wanted your intake or your input on, and that is: uh, is there anything that you would recommend against? What should a mother not do if she is uh, trying to do mother-led weaning? Um, So the big one that you mentioned at the very beginning is going cold turkey. This isn't helpful to the mom's well-being or to the baby's well-being because there's hormones involved for the mom and the milk production and all that. And for the baby, it can be very startling. Uh, The other thing I wouldn't recommend is doing anything that uh, leads to the baby experiencing some kind of startling or disgust, like putting bitter tastes onto the breast um, or I, I heard one mom said that she tried to freeze her nipple so that baby oh. would, she would latch on, it would feel very cold and it backfired because the baby thought that it was nice that it was cold. <laughs> so these, these gimmicks, I think if a mom is reaching for gimmicks like this, I understand the frustration, but I would invite the mom to recognize it as her limits her personal limits being filled and her needing, you know, some kind of new plan on how to tackle this and, and reaching out for help because there really are so many ways of doing this 
as we talked before, you know, with substitution and changing the habits and, you know, offering really delicious foods. So definitely do everything that is respectful and kind and that helps baby and mom feel well because food is a big deal. You know, we're, we're teaching our babies that food is part of their life and it's going to be part of their life forever. So they should have a really healthy approach to the end of the breastfeeding, which is the beginning of a lifelong relationship mm-hmm. with food. Absolutely. So don't do anything that is uncomfortable for a mother or a baby. This has been an excellent uh, session. Hey, everybody, don't go by- away. I will be right back with Ariadna Nibril. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. 
That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Ariadne, you have an interesting book that is titled The 12 Alternatives to Timeout, Connected Discipline Tools for Raising Cooperative Children. And the book is very highly rated, I noticed, on Amazon.com. So I have some questions here. The first one is, uh, maybe I'm just old, but <laughs> I was always taught that timeout was a good thing. You're kind of implying that it's not such a good thing. So talk to us about timeout and why you wanted to pose some alternatives. Yeah, so the original intent of timeout was a great one. The idea was to give parents or the caregiver a chance to breathe and have some separation from the bad behavior and have a child stop what they were doing. But over the years, what happened is trying to get that child to get into timeout or to stay in timeout turned into a big battle. And often children will run away or scream or parents will start using it as a negative bargaining chip. Do you want to continue that and go to timeout or do you want to stop? Right. Right. And this takes the intent of discipline, which should be to help our children do better and transforms it into a, a continuous power struggle. Because if I keep doing what I'm doing, I have to go sit in that corner Well, up until around the age of five, children are not really understanding why they're in that corner. We could be hopeful that they're sitting there going, oh, man, I really shouldn't have thrown my food down from the high chair. Mommy didn't like that. But they're not really doing that. They're kind of sitting there at the wall going, what happened? What's going on here? I want my mommy. So (laughs) time out. Time out. The idea of it, like in a sports game, you know, everybody stop and take time to cool off is great. The way that it's presented nowadays or has been for many years, it's been shown over and over again in in developmental studies that it's not working and it doesn't help children actually learn how to do better. So I do think it is the number one tool in most parents' toolkit. Am I correct? Uh it used to be, and to interestingly be. Okay. enough, the more research and the more literature that comes out on positive parenting and positive discipline, and there are many wonderful programs and communities now that are helping parents get new tools, it's kind of starting to fade away, which is kind of nice. Okay. All righty. So I know that you can't repeat your entire book, uh, all chapters in a little tiny radio show, but give us maybe uh, the just one of those strategies and why this should be something that every parent should embrace. So one strategy that I talk a lot about in the book is a time in or what in the positive discipline series gets referred to as a positive time out. And the idea here is very similar to time out, but the intent is to give children a chance to calm down, but with parental support. So if before we talked about listening to the baby cry when they have the discomfort, and as you mentioned, Aletha Solter recommends, you know, being present, the same idea here applies. The parent stays present with the child and helps them calm down from the unhelpful behavior. So let's say a child was hitting a a playmate, the parent would remove the child in a very respectful way and help them calm down. And once the child is calm, then the parents can then explain 
that it was wrong to hit and help the child reintegrate back into the playtime. And the key to making time ineffective is to, to guide the child into that time in and that time with the parent where they're making eye contact, getting down to the child's level, hopefully before the situation gets out of hand. So it also helps parents stay proactive with their discipline strategy and to pay attention to what the child needs. So if the child is starting to make unsafe choices, you're not waiting for them to be halfway out the window or already hitting Johnny over the head. You're actually trying to catch them at a time where your guidance can be listened to. And I'm not suggesting helicoptering because, you know, the example that I'm giving here is really for very little, little kids. But the older they get, you know, they end up learning that if they are starting to make bad choices, they know how to self-regulate. The good thing about time in is that it really helps children learn to self-regulate. And that's a skill that's very important for the whole lifespan. Uh, Yeah, I was just going to say, I think we all have to self-regulate to one degree or another. Uh, We're not always in situations that we like being uh, in. People people do tick us off and we can't necessarily just, you know, act out, so to speak. So I guess my next question is... um, Our website has an Amazon A store, and we will feature your book there this week. But uh, tell us how else we can get your book. Um, So the book is available on Amazon, and then the contents of the book are also available in a class if parents want to take class. Oh, nice. um, For... It's focused specifically on the first five years, so I offer developmental insights into discipline and setting limits and boundaries and alternatives to the traditional timeout um, with things like time in and special time, which we touched a bit with the weaning. Um, And it's very special because it's focused on parents that have toddlers or children between the ages of one to five, and we go into detail about their social emotional needs. And that is in the Positive Parenting Connection online classroom. Fantastic. Meanwhile, I would like to suggest that uh, everyone go and have a look at your blog as well. Ariadne, could you tell us, please, uh, the name of your website? Speak slowly and repeat it for us, please. Yeah, it's the Positive Parenting Connection. And the URL is positiveparentingconnection.net. And you can also find uh, our community page on Facebook. It's growing very nicely right now. We have a very engaged community of parents, and that's facebook.com slash positiveparentingconnection. Very nice. Wow. You know, this this hour always just goes way, way, way too fast. But I would like to thank Ariadne Brill for being my guest today. Ariadne, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. Without you, we don't have a radio show. So thank you. I know that we have many, many uh, very faithful subscribers Now, if you're interested in her book or other media that was mentioned on this show or on previous shows, check out our Amazon store. How do you do that? Well, visit us at borntobebreastfed.com and you'll see it. Again, that's borntobebreastfed.com for the books and media or my blog. I will have a blog about this show. And 
whatever. Uh, for parents who are listening, check out our Facebook page and feel free to leave a question about uh, mother-led weaning for me or for Ariadne or actually for any of our previous shows. We're always happy to hear from you. If you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice on the web and sometimes in your city. Visit us at breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise to help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.